Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. Uh, thanks for joining me again. This week's conversation is with the wise man, Julian Spence, Mr. Uh, 218 Marathon Man. It was good to get Julian back on. I think we uh, spoke about it at the start of the podcast how good it is just to be talking again and uh, talking about all things running. And we kind of just yeah came up with a bit of an idea to get Julian on the show to have a bit of a yarn and get a bit of a life update about how he's going and I'm really hoping, it was a bit weird not having Brad there, but I'm really hoping to have some news maybe at the end of next week, maybe kind of mid next week about something that might be developing with uh, Julian, myself and Brad and we're just trying to put the finishing touches on a bit of planning shortly and um, yeah, I really hope that it's something that might excite you as much as it excites us three guys. Thanks for tuning in again. Not going to talk for too long. Julian doesn't need a massive introduction. And yeah, enjoy this chat with Julian Spence. All things running. It wasn't kind of a traditional tell me a tales chat where we might get deep into upbringing and life and progression in running. It was a bit of a get his opinion on all sorts of things because I value Julian's opinion and uh, yeah, a bit of a current life update and yeah, his thoughts on the recent Melbourne and Chicago marathon. So Julian's always got some fantastic things to say. And uh, yeah, hope you find value in this hour conversation between the two of us. Rightio, we're back with Julian Spence. It's a bit uh, bit different without without our old mate Brad Croker here, but it's uh, good to be back on Skype. I was a bit kind of excited just dialing your number then. It felt like old times. Oh, well... Yeah, I'm I'm keen to get back into some chats as well. Yeah, I mean, I've I spoke yeah, about I've, that. yeah, we've we've seen each other once on Sunday, but um, yeah, missed the the talking, missed the the um, catch ups with you that every is, week. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, and we spoke about the amount of stuff that happens in happens in the running world every couple of weeks and stuff, and hopefully we'll have some news in the next couple of weeks about a possible another project that we want to launch. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be on, on Skype again and, and chat and run and give us a bit of an update about, about life post-Berlin over there for a holiday for a while and back here now. Yeah, so 
holidayed through Italy, basically, um, a few days in Berlin, went down to Italy and uh, joined the masses of um, masses of sort of wealthy Americans that seemed to make that their holiday spot, which we didn't realize at the time. <laughs> Obnoxious, loud, kind of, you know, the, all seemed to be from the south. Uh, pretty aggressive sort of um, area for tourism there. So we, we got a bit of a shock when we when we rocked up down there when it was supposed to be the off-season. It was about as, the busiest place I've ever seen. So, oh, for um, a bloke who doesn't like crowds as well. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. It was. I mean, they've got some awesome areas there. So there's some, like, you know, the photos you see where the yeah. villages are on the water, and then there's cliffs, like, kind of on the cliffs, and built into the side of the, um, into the side of the hill next to. The, I mean, they're epic, epic places, but um, they also attract to, like international tourists. So it's pretty. Um, pretty full on over there and um yeah so i got home on thursday last week and basically just been flat knacker with um so much stuff going on and i really haven't even had this is the first opportunity that i would have had to sit down and actually do something that's not um like extracurricular i guess from from work stuff Pretty flat out. That's good. It's good though, isn't it? Like you come back and it's um, life doesn't wait for you. You just get back in the routine and you just got to hit the ground running. Oh, hey, it's been it's been intense. It's been quite stressful actually. What but, about uh, the shop? Yeah. So who was looking after the shop when you were gone? Yeah, um, we we have a few employees, uh, like three employees really. Oh, four. So um, the main the main two fellas, Jack. Callie and Blake Hose, they, Blake works in Geelong. He's sort of come down and started working for us down here. And they, um, and Jack's Ballarat fella, he's a triathlete. He, he's our, um, basically our number one guy now because he, he's finished uni and, um, he's getting in the, the store a lot more. So they, they did a great job. They really looked after it, had no complaints, no bad reviews. It's all good. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that is back a house that um, kind of got left for about three to four weeks, and it, it's all caught up now. So lots of lots of stuff to catch up. Did you have any control issues, like letting you, you know, you haven't been there for that long, get it set up, and like all of a sudden you just go overseas for three weeks, like handing it over yeah. is all good. Yeah. Well, I, I I would probably take care of that before I left because I tried to make sure that any sort of <laughs> Any sort of decision on anything, I had already made for them, so they could just follow instructions, basically. But that doesn't like there's always day-to-day um, decision making that goes on, and they did a really good job of it. So next time, if if we go away, I'm going to be way more comfortable because that was the first time I've ever left the store. So that was um, that was really good for us. We we know we can relax next time, and, and they 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 did a great job. That's good. What about life as a two eighteen marathon? A man coming back. Anything change? Um, no. A bit more respect <laughs> there. There's too many two eight guys running around Ballarat. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, no, just a bit of banter with the fellas when we got back. I've just beat Skillsy's PB, so that's a that's a good little um, 
feather in my cap and I'll always have that over him for, for any runs we go on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I sort of came back into the um, – I was actually running with big Nick, Nicky Van Rapport tonight and we, he was just on his cool down. I ran into him so we had a jog. And I, one of the things that I said was, was this – like I've always had some good battles with Nick. Like we've really – we've raced together a lot and um, – He's, he's, he's knocked me off once or twice and I've got him a few times. And I sort of just said to him, like, you bloke, you, this is perfect because you can look at this and go, you, I can do that. Like, he can look over and go, I can be a 218 guy. I've beat Julian before. Like, he's knocked me off in sessions and, and races. And his PB, I, oh, it's, I don't know what it is. I think it's like 226, but something like that. He can... He can get confidence from the fact that, like, I'm just another one of him that went out and did it. So I think he, he sort of took – it's good for, for those us sort of guys to, to look and see someone else who did it. Yeah, it's good that even you're like that, though. And, like, you wouldn't expect anything other, but sometimes when guys get faster and faster, they kind of distance themselves and they – become like they're not one of the masses anymore like that kind of extra bit of swagger and cockiness is kind of in their step and um if you can go out and do that and then just remember you're one of the boys it's uh it's really kind of encouraging oh mate, I'm, i might do run ballarat and come fucking eight this weekend <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going very well oh is that this weekend Who, who's running that well i know ash and nick are and yep. i'm sure there'll be some people that sort of decide to do it late um yep. and yeah, Ash and Nick, they've had a few good battles in the past and they're both relatively fit now. So be the hardest place in the world to win a fun run in Australia, wouldn't it? To win a fun <laughs> run, Ballarat, if yeah. you think about it. Maybe Canberra, like some good runners getting around Canberra. But, Canberra um, and Ballarat, they should have like a state of origin or a, sh- you can pull deep in both towns, yeah. very deep. Yeah. Yeah, so big Coker Nick- loves talking about that. Like, he reckons there's like seven, like sub 30, like 10K runners in Canberra at any given time. Which is right. There's some, there's some talented guys getting around there. Well, I, re- I reckon Ballarat would rival that as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, and it's good. It's a good atmosphere. Like, and it's still everyone does the same thing. Like Tuesdays, you go and run around the lake. You're gonna you're gonna run into some thirty guys all over the shop. Yeah. yeah. And and like maybe not recent ones, but like five years ago, ten years ago, thirty years ago. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. History's there. Talk about body, hey. Um, you just touched on it before about how if you enter a fun run this weekend, you'll be getting smoked, but uh, how's it all tracking? Yeah, well, it's been stiff and uh, sore. So I've I've took a week off running and then I've done a few jogs since then. And at the, on the jogs, it didn't feel too bad, just a little bit tight. And I thought, oh, I'll be good in a few days, but I just have not come good. And um, it's it's all through my hammies, top of my hammies, just really quite tight. Just feel like you can't get it much like range, a um, little bit jarry. I'm also like that been sort of not that motivated to be honest. Um, so I feel like crap for the first 5K and think, oh, I was going to do a workout. Now I'm just going to do a little jog and or I was going to do 16K, I'll just do 12K and it's um, – there's a bit of other stuff, like a bit of work to do when I get home. So I, I kind of just um, almost copping out and going, 
oh, you're only three weeks away out from the marathon. You, it's all right. It's fine. Just run small. Don't do your workout. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this weekend gives me a bit of a kick in the ass to, to get back into gear. If someone asked me to describe my post-marathon, it would be exactly that, like the motivation levels and set your alarm for six and I'm like just going off and I'm just like, you ran a marathon three weeks ago, just back off and get up at seven and you'll do yep. it after work and then you get home from work and you're like, oh, I'll just roll for, I might do a quick fart like in there, like nah, just jog for an hour and um, like, yeah, I'm exactly the same and it's, it's um, but it's starting to kind of get to that stage where it's like three and a half weeks nearly, so it's... um. It's that fine yeah, line between, like, I feel like I'm losing fitness rapidly, but the motivation hasn't really kicked back in to, to get back to work yet. Yeah, and I think it'll come because even tonight I got home and, and I was kind of, like, angry at myself for not – there was no reason why I couldn't have done something tonight. Like, I was a bit stiff, but, geez, the amount of workouts that I've done being stiff is, like, is hundreds. And so tonight I just talked myself out of it and I thought – I got home and I was like, you got it. Like, that bad, poor form. Like, you're changed now. It's off. It t- so tomorrow I'll do a workout tomorrow morning um, and I'll be back on the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you're back, you're back, aren't you? Like, And once you enter a race or commit to something, like, it just makes a world of difference and gives you that purpose to, to get up in the morning kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, once, there's a, once there's a race within, like, sights, you've got your sights on something, that's that's when it's easy or, or you just need to go get your ass kicked in a workout or a race and then it sort of just wakes you up gives you a bit of a shake and um you're you're, you're right back into it but body wise like you're feeling like you're all good now like a bit stiff but it's just general stiffness like no like lingering injuries nah, or niggles? No, no injuries so came out of it pretty good came out of it good and so back in the gym yesterday morning um and and that lost a lot of conditioning which is expected and so yeah i'm, I'm just going to ease back into everything and, and and go for uh gonna then gonna do a track season gonna do a track season. that was my next question uh what's what's next so track season stag in 10 what are you gonna do the 5k in melbourne leading up to that I'm gonna do, yeah, the 3k and the 5k and then the 10k it's like pretty pretty standard prep for everyone isn't it yeah, um yeah. and they're always what about I think the 3K is a week or a week or 10 days before the 5K, and then that's about a month before the Steigen meet. So, pretty good sort of setup there. Yeah. Um, so, will you get into like the track work straight up, or will you start with the longer, slower stuff and then cut it down? No, I'll start with short, sharp reps. Probably a lot of hill stuff before I do the track reps. Um, so I reckon I'll go back to a program where Tuesdays are like a like a fartlek or a threshold. Um, Thursdays are track or hill reps, and and Saturdays are like a, a tempo style hill hilly tempo. Yeah. So, but pretty much go back to to what I did last time when I came off the marathon, and I feel like it worked really well. Mm. And. And then as we get closer to the 10K, I'll, I'll get on the track more and I'll do a bit a little bit more yeah. sort of race pace work. And then you think you're in marathon like with Tokyo still or still? No, I don't think so. I reckon I'll, um, bail, on I'll bail out of that. And to be honest, I like the fact that I've ran so much faster than I thought I would, it, it, in order to get faster than that, 
I'm going to have to put in a pretty special block of training, I reckon, and I don't think I'd be able to get it in and ready for for Tokyo. So I'm going to I'm going to probably look at doing an, a Berlin again as my next marathon. Yeah, right. That makes sense too, doesn't it? Like you always want to just take those little steps and just gradual steps in the marathon, but because you've taken like three in one, it kind of you've kind of bought some time to be able to have um you know, yeah. have more time kind of off and go, well, I've kind of made that jump that I was expecting to make when I went to Berlin and then maybe to Tokyo, but you've made that jump already so you can concentrate on just trying to make that next jump. Yeah, and, and I think the next jump is I'm, I'm only going to be able to do that if I get faster and that's where the track season will help and um, I'm going to increase my mileage and I'm going to do like work on, on my strength training and basically put all the one percenters into place and give them a, a good – say 10 months to actually offer some some um, adaptions and then I reckon I'll be like in a better position to run a PB than I would be in in February. It's worth noting though because how many, um, this is why you got the nickname the wise man because I would have done the complete opposite and I think a lot of other people would have done the same. Like yeah, you run a 218 and all you're like, right, I can run 216, I can run 217, when's the next marathon kind of it's super motivated super like keen just to like ramp it up again but you've kind of um you've done the opposite to then get the long-term gain yeah and i I mean i'm not getting younger either so you kind of want to pack it in but again i'm like i'm a realist and i know where i'm at and i was actually talking to your buddy mel mcleod today he came down to the store and we had a bit of a talk about another another duke malama customer yes correct yeah he ran um, Melbourne on the weekend. Pardon? He ran Melbourne on the weekend. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we were talking about you Melbourne. You didn't sign he, uh... a bib or anything and give it to him, did you? He loves you. He's like number one fan. Well, we discussed. We had a conversation about why why you didn't go as well oh, in yeah. the marathon. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait for him to pass those details on. <laughs> no, but um, uh, what was it we were talking about? Sorry, oh, yeah, we were saying yeah. like everything had to go perfect on the day and I basically ran – just on the on the other side of what my potential was, I thought. And so you can't just go and pull that out and have it like a 95% day and, and run a PB anymore. It's got to be 100%. So, mm. And in order to get back to that 100% or even 105% to sort of add on it, it's going to take some the next level of like the next step and that's going to be one percenters and it's going to be um, a little bit more mileage and uh, it's going to take – me getting faster so those things i need to to improve on you put on much weight since you've uh, had some time off i thought i did but then i ran around the lake tonight and all the girls winked at me so i don't know Still maybe I... you haven't been on the scales <laughs> i avoid scales yeah <laughs> i thought i did as well and i got back and i was like three kilos i'm like Ugh. i thought oh, like the dietitian wanted me to try to like put six on and I'm just like normal healthy weight now. I'm like, yeah, I just got to stay there now. But um, yeah, it's funny how your metabolism still kind of works away when you're not doing a lot of running. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly a bit doughier, like a little bit sloppier. But I don't. Since I got back, it's like uh, I've gone back to the same old diet. And it seems to like a pizza for lunch and a pasta for dinner and three beers and a wine. And it's <laughs> it's pretty easy to improve on that. Yeah. <laughs> A week, a week off that diet's helped out a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, you don't eat real well when you're uh, post-marathon and overseas on holiday holiday mode. But uh, hey, give me your thoughts on Melbourne. I saw you on the weekend, so the weight, you looked fit. You're looking, you're looking good. Really? Yeah, like I wouldn't have, yeah, wouldn't have expected it. I wouldn't say you're looking doughy. Uh, let's put it that way. Okay, well, yep, I got out. Um, I had a few athletes running that I help out with some coaching, and obviously the boys that I train with were running. Um, so I got... I wanted. We got up early, so early trip from Ballarat to make the start of the race, and um, got our Bree and I got our bikes out. Rode. We pretty much wanted to get to the Albert Park corner at Fitzroy Street because you can see the half marathoners, the full marathoners, several different times. Mm. Um, so it was a really good corner to watch from, and um, watch the full guys come through. And then handed a drink off to my buddy. Um, then we basically we got on our bikes a little bit again and tried to get into Albert Park. But if you, <laughs> it's pretty incredible, like the sea of people going along the street that early in the race. It's literally impossible to get across the road. Couldn't get across. Yeah. There's so many people. Um, we thought, oh, it'll be it'll break up a bit here, and then it gets to the three hour bubble, and it's like, no, nah, still flat knacker and then 3.15 and there's not a single break in traffic and it goes all the way back to like the four-hour group without a, a, a break. So it's it's amazing. It was, it, was, it was one of the best things that I reckon I've done in running is going around and ridden around the course and seeing the um, seeing the, Mar- the Melbourne Marathon from a different perspective. Man, you both. I had a very similar um, experience, like watching a couple of people I help out with their programs and running with a mate and it was – it was amazing. Like I said, I think I said to Andy Allison, like you've actually got to do it. I recommend all mm. elite runners go watch a fun run or whatever big marathon festival or jump in and run, you know, one thirty for a half marathon and just see what the general punters and yeah, different people are doing. It it was really insightful. Yeah, it and it's inspiring. Yeah, like true. we had a guy, we had a, a guy just rock up next to us and he was on a bike and he goes, "This is in, like." this is amazing, all these people out running. And he'd never seen anything like it before. And you just knew that next year that guy's going to be, be doing there. the half marathon or, or the full marathon because, like, the look in his face, it was just, like, it was all, like I was pretty proud of it, really, just to, to go, yeah, this is, this is my sport, this is what we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool, yeah. And the weather, like, man, like I messaged you, I think I was probably at the 2K mark and you were probably standing about 4K up the road at uh, that Fitzroy Street and uh, at the start of the marathon and it was just amazing, that weather. I, I think I messaged you saying, like, I'm so jealous that, like, I know it's hard when you ran Berlin three weeks earlier and you've been in a major marathon, but I was like, half me's going, oh, I wish I didn't run Berlin and I was running this and it was, uh, yeah, quite quite envious of the people who were out there. Yeah, and... I was, I was, I was uh, driving over the west gate and looking up at the um, – as the sun came up, basically, mm. and looking at the flags just not even moving on the top of the west gate, thinking, oh, you – like, you bastards. You've got the best day in the world right now to run this race. Um, and it, it worked out. Everyone seemed to run really well. So that um, was a beautiful day to watch anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you just jump on your bike and like get to different points, or did you stick? Because I saw Bree at that corner, then I saw you on the way back there when I was doing the half. Yeah, so I actually missed a um, 
I'm, I was supposed to jump down to the halfway point and give my mate a bottle, but I missed him. So I had to get up, I had to take off down towards Sandringham and catch right up to him to give him his bottle, um, and then rode back. So I I missed a few, and then I, I caught the half marathon as coming in, and the probably about like tenth place onwards going back towards the G, um, and then I saw the. As I got back to the Fitzroy Street, I saw um, about fifth place in the marathon going past and and onwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was um, the course as well. I was talking to Zach and Newman about it today. Like, it's no one seems to run super fast there. Other than Brad Milosevic's kind of like 216 Australia-wise. Like, um, but it's a nice course. Like, we've run it a couple of times. Like, other than the up the shrine, it's like that's hard, but... On a nice day, there's no reason why people can't run super fast there if you had a good pack and pacemakers and stuff. Yeah, I think it depends on the pack situation. I think that's where it it lets you down because yeah. you you you're normally on your own. Like Craig Appleby, he he was on his own from like four k or something. He was and on his own when he ran past me at one point five. Yeah. So well, I'm yeah. They, the whole, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming he was still <laughs> the same thing when you were up the road. That's exactly right. And then he ran to the G by himself. Like that's that's why it's not that good because you almost need to line up people that are also doing it and um, and just say, hey, let's all run this today or or let's um, – who at the start line, who's trying to run this time? It's going to be easier if we do it together because he was out there. I mean there, to be, it dropped away pretty quick after um, – after the Africans, like they ran what one of them ran two fourteen. Yeah, they both what? ran two fourteen. There was no, there wasn't much between them. I think uh, oh, two fourteen really? oh eight and two fourteen twenty seven. Like they're twenty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw those. The the last time I saw those guys was um. Oh, kind of. I, I think I saw him down on. Um, no, no. The last time I saw him was at like thirteen k, and so. They were together then. They must have stayed together. They were together at one and a half k as well, and, and well out in front. Like when I messaged you, I'm like, these two guys are here. They're um, yeah, they were out the front. Race was kind of over and away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the second pack um, had uh, Dave Byrne, Matthew Cox, and another fellow which I didn't I, I didn't recognise. Matt um, Hudson, who was pacing them, was that Matt? Oh, was he? Yeah, he was yeah. a pacer too, wasn't he? So. Um, See, Dave, I think, was having a crack. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. Um, and then I think he heard his calf. My, calf, uh, And he, he was in that group, pulled out, I think, at around 20K maybe. Um, and then I think H- Hudson might have pulled out at the same time as the pacer. And so Cox, he, he had to run the whole way home on his own as well, which is pretty brutal mm. having to do that. So... Um, and then who finished after him? Uh, I've got him just here. Who was fourth? Um, Isaiah Bean. I think he's got oh, okay. yeah, B- yeah, yeah, B- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Training, the red and white. Yeah, red and white in training. Then um, Nick Horse Horsepool, New Zealand, a guy who ran two twenty ten. Um, who oh. I have got a bit of a lead on him. I want to hopefully get him on the podcast for like one of the longer episodes. He, Supposedly he was an Australian guy and he's been living over in New Zealand for the last five or six years and now a New Zealander and 
yeah, Dave Ridley knows him well, supposedly, and yeah, hopefully getting him on. But yeah, then Apples was uh, six. Yeah, yeah, big gap, yeah. like four minutes between fifth and sixth. Yeah, and so like that's a, that's a that's a second half time trial, and that's it's just really tough. Mm. Um, yeah, you're like it, it's hard to run by yourself for so long. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I that's why Melbourne's not always that fast, um, and still like although it doesn't look like much of a hill. The tan is bloody hilly. Like that, oh, yeah, that's sure. solid. Everyone feels that. St Kilda Road's pretty tough. Like no one likes running along St Kilda Road. It's it just feels a drag. Good. This goes forever. Yeah, it does. It does. And um, it it it's a mind. It's like it's a it's a bit of a, a head game along that road. Um, yeah. Hey, but, um, the guy who won is Australian on the on the results. Immigrated to Australia. Isaac. Really? Yeah, I, Isaac Berea. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, um, but just looking at the results, yeah, he's got the Australian flag and the second, um, the second flag's a Kenyan one. And then just in the newspaper article, it said that he uh, has immigrated to Australia. And where is it? Just here, Berea, 38, was forced to immigrate to Australia by his wife Jocelyn last November, who is studying early childhood development in Perth. She told oh. me she wanted to come to Australia, and it was a big fight between me and my wife, Berea said. <laughs> but after today, I'm loving her choice. I've put in an application to be a permanent for permanent residency, and hopefully they can see from today's result that I have the talent. Mm, interesting. Commonwealth Games, bombshell. Uh, do you have to, take, no, do you have, it takes do you have, a long time. Does it, does it? Yeah, I don't know what the exact... Um, yeah, exact. Do you know? Can you can you get can you just get like a citizenship from your your wife studying here? I don't know. I don't know how it works. I was just like, this could, uh, yeah. But, that, yeah. That seems a little easy. It does, yeah. Um, but, but hey, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I don't well, know. the next question was to you, um, Melbourne Marathon, because they they didn't bring Kenyans. What last year was that? Last year, the first year that there was no no Africans and kind of the best of the local Australians who weren't going overseas to race kind of got an opportunity to, to win it. And um, and I think that was good. And I was not disappointed because I think Kenyans can really inspire people to, to run fast and it's a good spectacle to watch guys running 2.14. But I really do think there's something in having local guys winning local races who have local stories and local communities to be able to support them. Do you know much about that? Anything? Uh, well, got an opinion on it? Not from like from the Melbourne's sit like I don't really know much about how they get paid and um, it doesn't sound like they've brought anyone over this year. It sounds like that fella's sort of just qualified through being a a living in Australia and they might have just uh, well yeah I don't know I don't want to speculate but um neither do I but they ran in Medibank Medibank singlets yeah which I mean it's like okay <laughs> what's going on here guys they've certainly paid for their flights and accommodation definitely. If they're wearing Medibank singlets, I'll give Tim the. Uh, I'll get. I'll try to get Tim Crosby on the show. He'd be an interesting person to kind of hear about the back end of races, like. And I think he's run director at Melbourne. I'm pretty sure he's. I know he focuses on the elite stuff, but I'm pretty sure he'd definitely know the answers. Yeah, he would. He would certainly know the answer to that question, and he would be a good guy to talk to about it. Um, and the, the, I guess the, the Great Ocean Road Festival used to do it. They would bring over sort of three or four. Um, Kenyans and 
they I don't know where they found those fellas, but they were not the, the elites, that's for sure. Um, and they would rock up in all sorts of shape, and they would get here sort of the night before the race. Half of them st- stuck at the airport because their visas weren't right, never ran the race, and they ne- they didn't speak English, so the papers would go to sort of do a little feature or interview on them, and they, they couldn't talk to them. Um, and they would clean up so they would do every race on the weekend including the marathon That's on the right. next they used to run every yeah, single, yeah. They used to do like yeah. a 14k half marathon then run a marathon and go home with 10 grand yeah so the, and i always used to think like no one gives a shit about these guys um and it might like the, these guys aren't the the, the olympians these like they're running pretty fast, but there's certainly fast guys in Australia that you much faster guys that they could have paid to come and run this race, or at least given like a uh, like put the money that they were spending on the flights and accommodation for like these five Kenyans. So say they spent fifteen grand getting these guys over, put that under the prize money and attract a, a, like a, an amazing Australian field. And and reward local runners for showing up. Uh, it's it. I could never understand why they would put so much money into bringing those out. And I did get a good explanation from um, I forgot who explained it to me, but um, the the race organizer he used to organize the um, Otway Classic, and he used to bring out a lot of great runners for that. And it was a high profile event. It was on TV. So he, I think he wanted to keep the tradition going of bringing over Africans and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it was successful. Mm. Yeah, and I think that all, like having that story is really important as well. And it's you know it's worth noting that Michael Shelley ran the week before probably Australia's best, or definitely probably at the moment, um, Australia's best marathon. I ran the week before a marathon in Chicago, and on the same day, Chris Hamer and other Australians come out and ran 2.13. Like, why aren't those guys, or where's the incentive for those guys to be running, you know, three hours flight away from their um from their hometown? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, yeah, great story. A local Australian guy winning these races. It's um, yeah, yeah. You spoke about Matthew Cox being impressed with him. He actually ran one second quicker than you did in Berlin. Was this a fact? Yeah. <laughs> if that was for a qualifying, and it's and it could what be, you know, three, four guys get injured, all of a sudden it's um it's getting pretty tight around that two eighteen forty two forty three mark. Nah, it's 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 what it's going to affect is my position in the um, run for your life top ten for the year lists that come out in like January or something. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I've ever been in those before. I looked up the rankings on Athletics Australia, and I'm not on there because I think it's because I haven't paid me AV registration or whatever. So like they've just uh, they just ditched me. Don't yeah. even register for Athletics Victoria. So I might have to pay a rego just to make sure I've got a ranking. Croak is ahead of me with his 224 from Canberra. But, oh, uh, but yeah, yeah, knock him out. I'm not even knock, on there. Knock him out Push quickly. him out. That's if I didn't get in because I wasn't registered, and then he was in at 10th spot. Be shattered. <laughs> anyway, um, who else impressed you? You said you had a couple of athletes getting around. Do you want to maybe give us a quick uh, quick description of how their days went? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, well, firstly, training partners. Berkey, Chris Burke, he ran a three-minute PB after getting paced by um, paced by Watto, who's been on your show before. Yeah, comrade um, superstar. Yeah, and just to show the sort of bloke that 
Watto is. He um, kicked down in the last kilometre to beat Berkey by like 20 seconds or something. No, after. you can't do that, can you? <laughs> that, is a, that is a Watson move and it's a classic Watson move. <laughs> but <laughs> Even my mate Benny, who I paced the whole way, knew that when we peeled onto the MCG, first ever half marathon, running an hour 33, knew that I would peel off and let him finish in front of me. Yeah, no. What he, Where's he? He, he will not let it. Ha- he, he knew what was going to come if he let Berkey beat him for the the year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he, I think he did it another time once, let him win, and we just gave it to him for the year. But and he, um, and he would have pulled in Cornsy too, wouldn't he? He did. That was he didn't realise, but at the time he he's like, oh, those two guys up there, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go get them. And so he went past them, and then at the end he looked back and he's like. Berkey, Berkey was coming up on Cornsy real quick and two seconds he missed him by. They're in the same photo, the finishing photo, they are, yeah, neck and neck. Yeah, so he, Berkey a bit disappointed with the, with the position there, but he was stoked. He ran three-minute PB, so awesome. Um, guy I was handing the drinks to, Flighty, ran a big PB, seven minutes, I think. He ran two, two hours 50. Um, I think he was right around where... Your mate was, obviously. Well, yeah, I had two mates. I had Crammers who went, and I've got some audio from Crammers and Chris that I'm putting in later on, but, um, yeah, Crammers went from 259 to 251, and then the other guy, Chris, was 252 to 248. So they, they must have been – remember when I saw you at that turnoff where the half went off and I'd paused my yep. watch and I was there? I was like, you told me they were running 250s, and I was like – Oh, and Chris was behind the lady you were passing the drinks to, and I thought things might have been going a bit pear-shaped for him. But um, did she come in under 250? She ran 250. Okay, he must have. He, well, he did. He finished strong. He um, yeah. yeah, he ran his last 5K quickest split of the day, which was uh, something I need to learn to do. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that was, it was funny that yeah, both of us coach people, and they are all finishing within a minute of each other across the line. Yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I had a lot of friends actually around that, Mark. Because yeah. uh, another mate, Pistol, he um, he ran three hours and ten seconds, which was kind of bittersweet, I guess. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. Was that tough. net time as well? Uh, no, yeah, it was the official time. Okay, yeah. Um, so. He had to battle through the like battle through the selfish people who start well up in the starting blocks, and so he he ran very even, except at the start when he was just. I don't understand why people do it. it. Like it's a pet hate of mine. If someone's running, like there's there's balloons in there, so someone's got the three hour pacer. If you're not going to run three hours, don't be in front of it. But he he said that people just shuffled from the front of that the starting blocks, and he had to fight his way around and lost at least probably thirty seconds to a minute trying to get through them. Um, That's and frustrating that, when you come in at three hours and ten seconds for sure. Yeah, it was for him, knowing that he had to work to do because of the start the start block. Um, uh, that was another thing I noticed, actually, because, like, being – we were probably, I don't know, 15 rows back when we started the half marathon and how crazy going at Batman Avenue. Um, people are sprinting, trying to get around and wasting energy, and other people are, like, stopped in front of you, and it's just – yeah, people just do not um, self-regulate and self-seed themselves where they should accurately be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't get it. But mm, it's not rocket science, and they just stuff up their own races. Like they'll end up going out too hard, even though they're going out slow, because other people around them are going at their normal pace. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't understand it. Like I just, you know where you're at. Mm. <laughs> you know you're not going to run like, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
I guess they might think that they can do better than that. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, hopefully you qualify. Because it's, it's rather you sub elite and elite or you line up on the line there, isn't it? So there's kind of no way you can kind of get further up unless you've got the time next to your name. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just one big group. So, yeah. you know, in Berlin they had different blocks. Yep. Well, great idea. But in this one it's either you're a preferred start or, yeah, everything else. So mm. it's, yeah. They the the Germans they they take away the self seeding, and they um they they seed they seed you like for you and it's good <laughs> it works well yeah 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 the Germans like taking a bit of control like that yeah uh, sorted <laughs> um yeah what about any like the elite guys any like Celia Salahan like that's a pretty big run two twenty nine. Very good run. Two twenty nine twenty seven. These these female marathon runners are just knocking it out of the park. They just keep rocking up, running some two thirties. Yeah, it's a. There's going to be a new standard soon. Yeah. <laughs> two, well, isn't the standard two like forty three or something? Like it's ridiculously oh, slower than what they're all. There's running. a lot qualified. Yeah. There is a lot there. So, um, it's it's good. It's a good sign. I don't I don't know why it's happening, but when it's not like. I mean, the men's side's pretty good, but it's certainly not that strong at the moment. So they're just in a real hot patch. Mm. Yeah, it's the same, but like four minutes slower, isn't it, kind of thing? Yeah. That, like, it'd, be, it'd be the same as having a whole lot of guys running 213, 214. We've just got them running, you know, 217, 218. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few that are running around 211, yeah. which is maybe... But then I guess you've got Jess and Lisa, kind of the 225, the cut ahead. Um there was, yeah, and then the other girls like two twenty eight, two twenty nine, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah. I'm interested to know why. Maybe it's like it's kind of like that floodgates thing where someone does it and it just conti- like it, it makes it a lot easier to do because there's not st- like this stigma attached. So I reckon like the first Australian goes under two ten, and all the other guys go, oh, doable, easy. I, I mean, I beat that guy once. I've run faster than him over 10K. I can run I can run that. And then it just happens. Um, kind of like the four-minute mile. Our, the yeah. first guy did it, and then it was just like <laughs> everyone was doing it. Not everyone, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it was just like it, this is physically possible. Oh, I can smash that bike. I'll go do it. Yeah, I reckon there's got to be a bit of that involved. So <laughs> Celia, Celia probably looks across and goes, geez, Six girls have run this before, like this year. Why don't I try to do that? And, yeah, because you don't just accidentally does. run like 229. I think I read somewhere a quote that said, and I'm, yeah, obviously uh, paraphrasing, but it said she didn't really know what time she was on, but I know Scott paced her most of the all, all the way, and, yeah, they definitely would have been hitting that pace. Oh, yeah, they were. <laughs> when I saw that, it was a pretty good group she was in. It was a very, it was reminiscent of the um, Trengrove 2000. Josh oh, Harris, Mottram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Far out. They nearly made me down that day. That was, uh, that pack was just, yeah. <laughs> they were only like a minute behind me. After you dropped up, I was in no man's land and that monster pack was behind me. You would have, um, it's a bit of a, you would have, oh, sorry. You would have heard them coming. There was that many people. Oh, there. You kind of took a couple of corners and just in the, in the side of your, um, view, you just <laughs> see all these people. It's just reminiscing. Like it's just it's an ongoing trend with me. Berlin was the same, getting mowed down in that last two k by the lead female. So um, it's something I've got to improve on for sure. 
Yeah. Hey, what <laughs> yeah. about what about Liam in the half? Just bangs out a sixty-five, oh, yeah. like wow. 08 or something like yeah. I had a look at that and I thought, man, that's like I couldn't go out and run half at the pace that I ran my marathon at um, anywhere close to that, like tomorrow. And he's gone out and run well faster than what he ran through halfway in. And yeah, shit, I was impressed. Yeah, it's um. I spoke to him and I've got some audio which will would have come before or after this, but I'll repeat it that he what was he, he said he did a couple of one k strides on Monday or Tuesday night and was and ran two fifty and thought oh yeah I'm all, all right ready to go to run um to run on the weekend one oh. k strides at two fifty I was like don't we all call those reps if we're kind of running that fast but um yeah he smashed it and yeah that's. That's definitely not a strike. <laughs> but um, when you, you're, uh, you, you've probably got some good audio on it, but um, have you, you asked him why he ran it? Yeah, I made the joke that I'm like, you knew it was six grand prize money, you knew you were in shape to win it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, he just kind of said he was uh, feeling a ride and looked at the winning times of past years and, uh, yeah, thought he knew. Um, he knew Brett was running and wasn't sure how much he wanted to push the pace and thought he could probably give him a bit of a run for his money. So, yeah, good on him, hats off, because he knew there was you know a semi-kind of decent field there, so it wasn't just a rock up to beat no one who's there. It was a full-on, I'm putting it on the line here and seeing what's happening. Yeah, yeah, no, they were they were moving when they went past us at um, kind of like the 6K mark, definitely, mm. pack of three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nah, good. That's good. Well, it's pretty strong results across the board, wasn't it? The marathon, and the half, and the like. The lead, all the females like Jess and Louise and Magna in the um in the half, like they were moving as well. Yeah, yeah. So she was out hard, real hard. So my mate finished Pete Pete Kerr. He finished in six nine hours. I mean, sixty nine minutes. I think he ran sixty nine ten or something. Sixty nine twenty maybe, and um. She was in front of him at 6K. So right. I was looking going, what's happening here? Are you going really slow or is she going really fast? Because I didn't have my watch on or anything. And um, <laughs> it, he ended up, yeah, obviously doing quite well there. Is this, um, is this the and then that always licks off on Strava? Yeah, that's yeah. the pest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen his comments. But then there, yeah. <laughs> then there's um, – uh, Jess was behind Eloise for quite a quite a while as well. Um, like there was a decent gap there at six k, and then when I saw him at about, I think it was about fourteen k, um, she was she was still behind. So she's she's come home strong there. Yeah, she ran with uh, she ran with her watch on, but wasn't looking at it or anything. Just went off fully pace, and that's uh, that's one of your life lessons. Don't don't worry about the time. And she pulled it off. If she's pulled him in, then. Smart. Smart racing. Smart racing. Yeah. She knows what she's – I spoke to her after what race. Her bounce back is super impressive. Like I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself three weeks after Berlin. She bounces back from marathons that quick and just runs awesome ones. And same thing with his half. Like that gap between London Marathon in April and the World Champs in maybe like June, July, like that wasn't – was it August? I don't know when it was, but it was it was a pretty close gap and she ran amazing there as well. Yeah, yeah. Some – Sometimes it works well. Sometimes it works out. And other times you gotta you gotta listen to the the body. Like you, there's too many people push through that. Mm. Like 
too many people do too much in that month after and they cook themselves. It's just so common. Um, and But if you know what you're doing, then you can sometimes get away with it, sure. And I feel as well, like I've stuffed it up twice. Like after Melbourne and Berlin last year, I um, but pulled out a late Biwa because I just couldn't get right. And I found that I... You come back reasonably quick, and you get to kind of like 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 fitness pretty quick, but then there's nowhere to go, and then you start feeling fatigued and motivation drops again, and it's um that's why this time I'm kind of having a month of not much at all, then trying to reboot it. Yeah, yeah, well, I I agree. Like, yeah, there's too much risk in Brick coming back too quickly, and it's not like you're trying to get back for like a championships or something. You, you, you're better off like this – listening to the body like if your body says go for it then go for it but at the moment my body is saying do not go <laughs> near the hard stuff right now. <laughs> yeah now, have you been wearing a heart rate monitor i've worn mine it's just through the roof as well like i'm out of out of good form well that's interesting because i was today and i reckon all i did was jog and i reckon it was pretty high i want to have a look now yeah yeah well i've been it was, jogging, it was like, warm yeah. though yeah, it was warm, yeah. I saw a snake tonight, first snake sighting. I'm done. Oh, yeah. Totally That's never good. Hey, yeah, it was dead as well. I'm just like, I mean, mate, Ben was just <laughs> like, yeah, I've just let you know I've seen two snakes around here the other day when I was jogging with him. Like, well, it's been 30 up here the last couple of days. It's, um, yeah, not not good. It's time. And now. what snake was it? Oh, I don't know. It was dead. It was flattened. Um, oh, yeah. 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 It's, that's not as imp- that's not as impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still scary when you see it over there. Um, yeah. True. Yeah, this is this is going back to my argument about summer marathon training. Like, imagine going out for like thirty-eight k runs when you got the risk of seeing all these snakes. Yeah, you asked that question in the middle of winter though, and now it's like getting warmer, and I'm hating it. Oh, yeah. I'm out there today, going shit. It's hot, and it's only twenty-four degrees or something. I'm thinking, how do I do a session? It's way too hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, um, yeah. It's. I, I mean, I'll get out early tomorrow. I hope right mm. before it gets too hot but i mean you 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 definitely get a nicer tan like oh, you yeah. look you look fitter even just banging on a bit of sunscreen like just that smell kind of makes you feel a bit happy i reckon like the old sunscreen i'm fit i'm going exercising it's good weather it's uh yeah you got to wear sunscreen you got to wear sunscreen we, we don't endorse listeners to uh not wear sunscreen. <laughs> that's uh yeah yeah what was your heart rate you got it up 142 bit high Whatever. What pace were you going? I'm not too bad with that. I think it was about 4.15s or something, oh, which is pretty good. fast for me. I, had, I ended up four with 4.15s? Doing croaker-type training. Yeah. It did feel fast, actually. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was 136 at 4.40 average. So, yeah, you're, you're fitter than me. I'm, I'm battling. Oh, it'd be the same, I reckon. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That's good. It's good we're in the same spot because we're both hoping to get to get to Steigen for, uh, for a bit of a showdown down there, and uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, see true. how it progresses. Right. I've taken up most of your time, but uh, before you go, give me your thoughts on Chicago Marathon. Did you watch it? Shelly, um, pretty impressive. No, I didn't get a chance again. to watch it. Yeah, Tom, I would have liked to watch it. So you ran two eleven though, right? Nah, two twelve fifty two. Oh right, okay. Yeah, um, yeah that's good. I mean, it's, it's on, on YouTube actually. There's a good video. I watched it the other day when I was off work. Um, that's just what you do when you have days off work. Watch Chicago Marathon on YouTube. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Is that what? Yeah, right. No, um, my partner Carly had surgery and had to kill some time. That's that's a true story. Right. Uh, okay. Right. She did. She was just yeah, ask her. Ask anyone in Chicken Miami. They know this stuff. <laughs> so, 
It's a small town. Small town. She's a big name. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. It's uh, it is a small town up here, and a lot of people would know. But yeah, two twelve for him. Galen Rupp wins it. Two oh nine. First uh, non-African born winner in like some. I don't have the fact, but a stack of years to win a marathon major. Non-African. Non-African born. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Non-African born. Okay. Um, well, he um, he's a good racer. So you you can sort of see like in Boston when he ran Boston, um, then in the Olympics, like he can he hasn't run a fast one yet, like a proper fast one, but the guy can race, um, and he 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 knows how to be really strategic, and he he can handle tactics well. So you'd sort of back him in every time he enters one of those big majors, I reckon, except if there's pacemakers because he's, mm. he's a bit untested and a bit unknown at like 2.05 pace. He can run – like, I mean, that's well within himself, running 2.09, right? That's, that's, that's for a 26 – what, 26.40 guy? Like – that's that's jogging nearly. Yeah, going uh, through in sixty six thirty or something. I think they did through half. This, yeah, exactly. he's, he's, he's going like, at one thirty beats per minute kind of thing. Yeah, so he's he's obviously got the the speed to, to kick down on that and, and win races. Um, it would be great. Oh, it would be really interesting if he if he went to Berlin and he he went with the pace and um, that would be the interesting bit. But yeah, I think Jordan Hasse's run was awesome like i actually i think um brie said something like oh what did she run first and i said oh well she had a belter i think she ran 223 maybe in her debut at boston as well at boston exactly and i'm like it's pretty rare someone comes out and actually improves on their on a really good debut but she did. <laughs> so she's obviously a marathoner, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have said, you know, she was always an okay track runner and like always great through the NCAAs, like cross-country stuff and like a bit of a prodigy through that. But to say that she's going to be like second fastest female US all time um, mm. in her second marathon, like yeah. that's, um, you know, all of a sudden you've jumped over like Amy Craig and Shailene Flanagan and, like she's she's in a bit now. Like you're talking US trials in a couple of years for the Olympics. Like she's a favourite. She's got to be. Yeah, like you. Like early early almost, days, but yeah. She's almost a yeah. Like that's you'd have to expect she would run in the Olympics. Um, there's no one really like close to that. Oh well, they they're close to that, but they they you just don't get the confidence from them every time they line up. Like. I guess American marathoners we're talking about, like ladies, hmm. they're, they're either hit or miss, like at the moment. Um, but yeah, I was—I mean, I don't know enough about like what they're doing or or who she is. I just follow a little bit the American stuff, and um, I, I'm just glad that uh, I have a faster PB than her because when she ran 2:23, I was pretty disappointed that this five foot nothing tiny little blonde-haired girl had run faster than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was a little bit uh, thinking, geez, I've really got to pick up my game here. Well, they went through half in 69-13. Yeah. 
Like, I was looking at that because I was split and I was like, oh, here we go. Like, she's going to smile. You've got a couple of minutes. That'd be sleep from me. I'm like, I'm getting cheeked left, right and center at the moment. Um, yeah. Which I've got no problem with, like, gender equality. Like, I'm all about um, fast females. But, yeah, they went for it early. Like, that was, yeah, 40 seconds quicker than what we went through in. Yeah. And that felt fast. Like, yeah, like good. that we felt reasonably fast at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, like, that's pretty brave to do that like this to throw caution to the wind like that in a marathon and she she pulled one. it off yeah, yeah. Uh, well she off. yeah she faded a bit but she was like it was a it was a solid i think she yeah obviously positive split at um you know, two minutes but not a dramatic kind of like you know you're walking or you're passing out or whatever like she she held on yeah yeah pretty Good well on. and then debarba just bangs out like a 218 31 though <laughs> yeah yeah different world did you hear what she said afterwards? How she's like, it wasn't that hard running five and ten k's in the track are much harder. No, I didn't. I didn't no. listen to that. I read that. I'm like, These people live in a different world than me. Like, yeah, yeah. they just, <laughs> just run them and just come across the line. Like, yeah, no worries, guys. That'll be a sweet. What is it? Fifty grand or something? Yeah, I wouldn't know. She reckon she wants to have a crack at the world record with some pacemakers. Like she was in no man's land a lot of the time mm-hmm. in the second half. A world record, though, man. That's that's the dodgiest thing out there, I reckon. We mm. want to talk about doping. A lady running two fifteen—that is—that is—that is insane. That is very insane. Yeah, and and off the back of like like pretty quick PBs over. I just compare it to like Liam running two twelve, but Liam's like two minutes quicker over ten k, or mm. or three or four minutes quicker over a half marathon, like. It's, I know female, like the longer you get, the better, like the distance runners in the in the genders seem to um, come together a bit. And, and it's been like female distance runners, you know, win Leadville and stuff like that before, I'm pretty sure. Pam, is it Pam Ryan? Pam, um, I've read Pam, her book. Uh, I've got her book in my bookshelf. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I'll Google it now. Um, but yeah, like there's been female distance runners win ultras before. Um, but yeah. An ultra is not a... Like it's it's different though. Oh yeah, yeah, Pam, Pam yeah. Reed, yeah. Oh Pam yeah, Reed. and so much more can go wrong. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's a good run. No one seemed to point the finger like at at Paula too much though. Like mainstream media celebrates that as you know an it and a bit record, and um, yeah, don't question it. But if that chick, if she it was at the time a Chinese runner, what would everyone be saying? Mm. Yeah. Like. Which she, I know, like she put some results on the board before that, obviously. So she just didn't come out of nowhere. But a time that fast, oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's that's blowing my mind thinking about that. Well, have you read her book? Because I read her book and I was just like, yeah, so like her PBs are pretty much identical over five, ten, and a half, like to yours and mine. And like exactly. it gave me so much hope. I'm like, oh, when I step up the marathon, I probably. Yeah, you know, two eighteen, two nineteen, and then trying to get down to Paula and running two fifteen. But it's um, yeah, I don't know how she's done it. I read. I'm I'm nearly finished her book, and I must say it's the most boring book that I've running book I've ever read. <laughs> it is it is the worst read you could ever. It it waste it ruined my holiday reading that book. It was <laughs> she talks about the most boring things, and her stories are not funny whatsoever, and it's. I, oh, don't waste. I've got it in my – it'll be in my library in the store and I will recommend people do not borrow it. 
borrow it and keep it. Did you think the same thing? I read it quite some years. I would have read it four or five years ago and, yeah, probably didn't know much about life myself when I was reading it and I wasn't that critical on it. But, yeah, I actually, I, actually I was going through my Instagram the other day. I'm not sure why, but I actually did take a photo of it and put it on Instagram and be like, how motivating is this? Like, such a great quote oh. for the world champion. And, like, yeah, now after this conversation, I might go back and uh, delete <laughs> well, that post. Well, I, I read it on the back of reading on the full-on journey over from uh, Australia, I read Bill Rogers' book, Frank Shorter, and the Dick Beardsley verse Salazar Jewel in the Sun. And then I read that book and I thought, oh, wow, you are like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is like the least motivating book I've ever read. And it's all she talks about is like her domestic dramas with her husband. And I was like, Jeez. Yeah, that's right, because <laughs> something happened after one race. Didn't he, like, go her or something, and then she stormed off, and it was, like, all on camera? Was that a track 10K or something like that? And then she kind of had a whole chapter explaining. Um, yeah, uh, my memory's not there, but I can, can remember now you mentioned that. that, that there's, was in there. there's, no, there's not one session that actually has any detail of, of, like, there's not one detail of any running workout or run she did. It's just, it's it, it's like... She thinks people are interested in it. Oh, maybe they are. But they are. Maybe. They do you know what I mean? Is that just going to like mainstream media and it's just like the Paula Radcliffe story and not the diehard runners? I think it must be. But those those other books, yeah, amazing. Yeah, Frank yeah. Shorter's book, amazing. That guy talks about his personal life, and it is just the most heavy hitting, um, eye opening type, almost like tears sort of stuff. Frank Shorter's book. Yeah, right. So that did is. It, did he have a pretty tough upbringing? Like, got abused as a child and stuff. Was that? Well, he he did, and yeah. he didn't. He didn't tell. None of his siblings told anyone until they were like, oh, I, I think he was maybe about forty years old, or even older, maybe forty-five years old, before he actually told anyone. And then all of his sisters kind of backed him up and said, yeah, because his, his dad was like a really well-respected doctor in the community. Oh, and, uh, God. And so they were really scared that no one would ever believe them. And, um, oh, it was horrendous. You'll, anyway, read the book. Yeah, I will. It, I'll, um, yeah, I'll get it. We should do a whole show talking about some top five running books or something one time because I know you've got a good collection. I'm trying to uh, stock up my bookshelf with some good running ones. And, yeah, that'd make a, a good chat, I reckon. Um, yep. So, yeah, you're not Nike Oregon Project, doping, talking about doping. Mm, well, underinvest- look, I don't know enough facts to probably comment on, but they're under invest. Like, Salazar's still under investigation, isn't he? They're under investigation, but they're like, I just don't feel like they're out and out doing like taking steroids and, and pumping the EPO. Like, they're obviously doing some things that are pushing the limits. And, like, there's a lot of gray area about what's maybe morally uh, wrong and what's actually illegal. And they basically live their life in that area, I reckon. And (laughs) if they can find ways that they will never test positive, it sounds like they will do it. That's just based on all the stories of other athletes and any sort of performance-enhancing drug or method coaching method training method they'll 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 do it if it's within 
the realms of legal, but there's certainly like a gray area. So that's that's the feeling I get from those guys. It doesn't feel clean, but it also doesn't it doesn't sort of strike me as like it's not Icarus oh, dirty. You yeah, see that? Yeah, it's not Icarus dirty. Exactly, it's not the Russians and it's not the Chinese. It's something in like <laughs> something in between, like the cleanest athlete in the world and the dirtiest athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I was listening to another podcast on like the whole rap situation and how he's kind of perceived in America and um, kind of like like a bit they were kind of saying how the American public who are really diehard track and field athletes and fans look at it as like is a bit of a um, a bit of a kind of testing kind of lab rat kind of thing where he's kind of been with Salazar this long time and he's been tried every one of these underwater treadmills and kind of this kind of um, you know the thyroid stuff or whatever it is and it's just people uh, who know the whole story are just like yeah but yeah whereas Meb goes out and wins Boston and New York it's like this hometown hero is just um, everyone embraced him over there real quick yeah yeah there's there's not a lot of um, he's never attracted any sort of attention for that though like there's no doubt Salazar's like <laughs> there's been some pretty um like there's been some certainly some warning signs there like red flags like yeah anyway geez imagine if we got him on the podcast that'd be an exclusive galen rap eh oh good luck with that yeah i've watched a couple of interview interviews with him he doesn't uh doesn't give away much no. a tough one to, <laughs> tough one to do i'd say but, uh, yeah yeah that's right um i reckon that's all, all good mate chris hamer 213 over in amsterdam you know him i don't know him personally i think he's liked me a few times at zatapec but just a <laughs> just a hard worker who's had a bit of bad luck in the past so it's good to kind of see a result like that from him debut yeah i i remember watching him at um zatapec last year and i thought like but probably him and stewie mcsween they had some they were they were the two real standouts i thought um like, oh, well, Tiernan was obviously good, but I, re- I remember watching Chris Hamer go around. He ran a lot by himself. He was just really strong. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good result. Uh, tighten things up at the front there. So two guys running 2.12 and him running 2.13. Is that the Com Games team? What do you reckon? Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. I, there's still a race left, or there's still a couple of races left, so I wouldn't lock it in yet, but... Um, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good team if it ends up like that. That's some solid times there and I reckon Australia will be well represented anyway. Yeah, for sure. That's good. And they're like you know, you're talking com games, that's uh medal contention kind of stuff with those kind of times. It all depends who Kenya sends. Yeah, really. yeah. So, yeah. Ali, <laughs> yeah. Ali keep choking, keep saying rock up and you're uh, you're ten minutes yeah. behind. If they, who wants a Com Games medal? Oh yeah, yeah I'll have one. So yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, last thing I want to bring up: Tom McKegg brought this to my attention on Strava after uh, Kane Corns' result at Melbourne two two thirty five twelve. We've spoken about it already, but um, he's qualified for the Surf Coast Century Relay Team for next year. Yeah, I think your wor- your words were he's got to run sub two forty. Well, did you say two? Can you remember? Because I. I haven't gone back and listened. I think I did say I did listen, but uh, I think, yeah, I think you said 240. Oh, well, he can come. He he can come. He'll he'll have to pay all our entries, though, because he's pretty rich. So (laughs) he can, if if he pays our entries, I'll get him a a better singlet than what he wore at Melbourne. What did he wear? Mizuno? He's sponsored by Mizuno, isn't he? 
Uh, well, I'll get him a better Mizuno singlet because those colours, I didn't like his get-up. Bit of, bit of red and blue, can I remember that? He was all matching. Yeah, he, he was very earthy, very earthy tones. I thought he could have gone brighter. Mm, a bit brighter, yeah. Maybe he didn't yeah. want to draw attention to himself, you know, just chilling, running 235, like... Oh, he did. He had the big corns bib on, and everyone was. <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah. I didn't see him on course. It was too far yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. Well, he was right, just in front of, always just, oh, yeah. just a little bit in front of my my guy. So he was always there. Did he recognise you from the podcast? Say anything? Oh, uh, doubtful, because every second person was yelling at him. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Did you get a couple of listeners that yelled out to you when I was at one and a half k? I had quite a few, like just. Just uh, yell out, saying a bit of stuff about the podcast, which was really yeah, positive. Yeah, it was quite fun. Yeah. I had a few a few people yell out, met a couple of guys on the way, like came over and shook my hand and stuff. It was pretty fun. Like just on the way, like just walking around, like not on their way, like they were racing and pulling No, they were in the race. Yeah, it was great. Well, they stopped and started talking to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Sacrifice a few seconds of their time to have a chat to Julian from the podcast. Yeah, I, would have, I, I would have run next to him for a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I had um, Sean. Sean pulled up next to us because I was running with my mate Benny and it was his first half marathon and we really wanted just to go pretty cruisy for the first 10K and I think Sean pulled up next to me about 7K and had a bit of a chat about the podcast and then came up with a comment that, um, oh, it's good to be actually finishing in front of you one of these races and kind of swung past me and put some time into us pretty quick. But uh, my mate Benny's plan was to finish pretty strong and we've rolled past Sean at about the... 19k mark and uh ended up finishing in front of him so he spoke a bit too soon and his day, <laughs> his day did not come what he was thinking about it about seven or eight k when he when he rolled past pretty quick but um, yeah yeah so that was good though. yeah good heaps of people and yeah chatting away and it was uh it's good just to put some uh names to face faces to names that you you see on strava and facebook and all those kind of things mm. so that's good yeah, stuff. No, it's fun. right what's your last what's your um next week looking like getting back into things yeah, got to get motivated now. Yeah, yeah, motivated. Maybe this podcast will do it for us. You know, we're back talking about it. Just get cracking. Well, it's pretty late now. I'm already going to have to sleep in tomorrow. So <laughs> just get goes, in the morning run. There goes my morning run. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you go. Uh, I don't want to be the person that's uh, yeah keeping you up and and struggling or you're struggling for motivation because of me. Yeah, you'll get the blame for this one. Good work, mate. Thanks for the chat. Hour and six minutes. We're, we're just banging on about running stuff. Yeah, well, it's what we normally do anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Any comments on Brad's training before you go? You've been keeping an eye on his driver? Well, he hasn't listened to his own advice. I'll give him that. Well, <laughs> still he, running still running fast. He's back down at about 4.20s on those easy days, but his long run yesterday was like 3.56 or something. That's like, what I saw. Yeah, I saw that's, that. Yeah, so he's, he's still... Trying to be the hero out there. Someone did screenshot one of his comments on Strava and he, he made the comment that, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back so I could train properly. And he's banging like 130k weeks with two sessions a week and a 32k long run. And he's, but, um, he did, but he's not training you, properly. Did you see the photo he posted of it? Or, well, um, maybe, his, flagging off a kid yeah, maybe his wife here. posted it. He wasn't looking real fit. Was he? <laughs> no, sh- top off. In the Roman bars or something? Yeah, rig out. Yeah, not not fit. This new Strava. What do you have? You logged onto the computer today with the Strava? I spend seventy five percent of my day on Strava. <laughs> it's so, different. Yeah. It's new. It's updated. <laughs> oh, it shows it in a funny manner. I don't like it too much. 
Yeah, I was a bit the same. But you remember when like MySpace and that used to change back when we were kids, and it's just like everyone hated it. But then you just it just comes around, just becomes a new it thing. I know, I know, I know. I never did that. MySpace, Facebook. You're too old for MySpace. I never did MySpace. Sorry. Then you never had a MySpace account. Never. Never. No, I don't even know what that is. I like I've heard of it a little bit, but uh, anyway. Jeez. Yeah, didn't think, I'm going to go now. I didn't have that on the agenda to bring up my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is gone. This is gone off, off topic. That's when you know to cut the recording stuff. Thanks, yeah. mate. Talk soon. Cheers. See yeah, you, Brady. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.